All right, we're live. Perfect. <laughs> how's, how's it going, Darius? Good, 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 good. We're late afternoon now, and it's two forty-seven, so it's not twelve in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> we're a little, we're a little more energized. I, I see you got your coffee. Mm-hmm. It's awfully. Um, it looks sunny, and then it's just kind of overcast right now. Yeah, it's cloudy, but yeah. you know what's on, what are you wearing today? Ah, okay. Yes. Okay. So what I'm wearing today, um, and I wish maybe we'll move into video content, you know, later in the future. But this is a random, very random, um, kind of circa World War II uh, watch. Um, it's by a brand called Myrex. I have I found no records of it. It's got this domed acrylic crystal. It's got a red seconds hand with a red text actually um, by the bottom half of the dial that says uh, En Cam Blanc uh, and then it's uh, anti-magnetic. So I can assume looking at this probably anywhere between 50s, right? Yeah, late 40s, maybe in the 50s. Kind of got some nice blued hands as well. And um, when I pull out the crown, uh, it does fall out. So I don't wear it that often, but it's got a really interesting, <laughs> let's see if I can pick this up. It's got a really interesting wine to it right so yeah that's what i'm wearing it's it's 33 millimeters so it's not something uh, (laughs) that a lot of people are are willing to wear nowadays for for men but uh i like it it's a good um weekend watch and it goes well with my outfit (laughs) okay yeah how about you i i'm very boring i'm wearing my royal oak chrono again um classic it's just how you do it. it. You know, it's a it's a steel sports watch, so I just wear it all the time because it's a steel sports watch. <laughs> when you wake up in the morning, do you consciously think about, okay, I'm going to wear my Royal Oak today? Or is it just like, hey, that's just the watch you gravitate to nowadays? That That is the watch I gravitate to nowadays just because it's really easy to wear. So my collection in general is very, it's very small, but it's all white metal on bracelets. Mm. So I have that look and it, it just works for me. And it's just a matter of, do I want to wear Royal Oak? Do I want to wear like vintage? Do I want to wear um, like Submariner? Most of the time, um, if I'm making a conscious decision and that's usually to pick up my Submariner, if I'm doing something that I don't want to scratch my Royal Oak or uh, damage something. Yeah. Have you, have it, has it had any scratches? My uh, Royal Oak. Yeah. Yeah. um, It just got caught in a zipper somewhere and there's a scratch on the bracelet. Just on the face of the links, um, like the facing part, so not the edges or anything. So that's okay. You can always um, brush that out, but it's heartbreaking. Uh, I I can only imagine. It's it's almost like, and for those listening, you've just got, let's say, you know, a fresh pair of 94 Jordan 1 retros in Chicago. You wear it and then you scuff it with like the smallest little thing or the smallest exactly. little incident. That is how it's like when you scratch um, a watch. And it's, it's, you know what? It's, it's actually even worse. Yeah. You, you know what I liken it to? I liken it to being you are coming back to your car and you just see a door ding. You don't know when it happened. It just happened. And you're like, oh, my God. That's true. Especially, I mean, for me, because I work a desk job, it's like by the by the buckle or like by the actual bracelet at the bottom always gets scuffed. I'm like, but is it was it the table? Was it the was it keyboard? I don't know. It's worst. It is the worst. worst. It is the worst. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, Let's 
let's change things up. We're going to talk a little bit about sneakers first. Um, a little bit sneakers, okay. Yeah, we're going to do sneakers today first. We'll, we'll focus on the, the on the thread element of this podcast. Yes. Um, and today, I mean, we, we brought this up before, and it's the Nike Dunk and, like, the Dunk SBs and, like, the non-SBs, all this whole wave. I think I actually found one this week that dropped. It really caught my attention, and I was like, oh, I might not be into the the lows, but I might be into the highs. And the and the uh, shoe I want to talk about is the Nike Dunk High Pro Green. Did you see that on Instagram? Sick shoe, so cool. But I don't know. Okay, I don't know if I like it because it's a it's a high and it looks somewhat like a Jordan One. Mm, mm. It's like, am I a hype beast for that? Am I one of those youths? Are you a culture vulture? Am I culture vulture? <laughs> Am I succumbing to the Travis Scott effect? Uh, see, I it's, it's funny because I, I thought about the same thing. I follow quite a few influential, influential people on Instagram, especially with style, right? And I just see everyone pair that shoe up with like a nice, like a, like a carpenter pant or like a work pant, or like white denim. I'm just like, oh, this looks really good. But again, if I just judge it off of that and not the story, I am just succumbing to the hype. Right, and I, I'm seeing exactly. everywhere. I'm like, oh, I want it. But uh, I looked at some close-ups. Um, I mean, the the fabric and the materials look decent, and it was yeah, at a decent price. I think it was like 160 Canadian dollars. Yeah, the price um, is good. The materials look okay. Yeah, they're okay. So I think it's a, I think it's a good buy if you can get it at 160. <laughs> I've, right. I saw a lot of people, um, especially on Instagram, they like screenshot it, sold out. Sold out. The worst. Um, yeah. Especially on Haven. And I tried copying on Haven before too. Not the easiest thing to do. Haven Shop, for, for those that don't know, is a Vancouver and Toronto boutique that sells a lot of uh, Japanese-inspired uh, clothing as well as yeah. they do some pretty cool um, releases. They have their own line as well. It's produced in Canada. Uh, majority of it is, I believe. And uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've usually heard that people get most luck um, in person with Haven. Really? Yeah, that's when people usually have the most luck because I find that when someone or a boutique says that we're hosting it in person, they have stock um, available there. So, you know how online there's always this um, like smoke and mirrors? Do you know how many do they actually have available? Yeah. But if you're having it in person, um, it's hard to have like smoke and mirrors saying, like, oh, we only have like five pairs. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, I can see behind you, like that kind of stuff. Where, exactly. You know. Mm, yeah. But uh, hey, what would you rate this shoe out of 10? I'm, I would rate this um, 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Hmm. That's a pretty fair score. Why? It's a pretty fair score. Why? I think, okay, I like, I like the silhouette of the dunk. I think it's a little bit too chunky because it's a dunk. Um, I don't wear a lot of chunky stuff. So being a quote-unquote historical model in a good colorway, good neutral colorway, and it's wearable. It's good seven. Um, I would buy. My standard for one is Chicago one. Gotta be. Is, uh, that's that's the number 10 spot for me. Okay. I would rate it... See, I, I think it's actually good because of the hype. I would actually rate it a nine out of 10. 
Mm. That's how much I love it. And I love it because it's like all the fits that I see of people wearing a lot of pastels, mid-tones, and neutrals. I'm like, that shit looks so good on this shoe. It looks great. The the green. Like, if you're home, like, uh, well, the thing is I don't have plants. But if your home has a lot of plants, you got, like, all that, like, that vibe going on, I could just see that shoe blending right in. So it's a nine as home decor. Uh, yeah, maybe that. It's a nine as home decor. And just like it fits your whole vibe and what you're trying to do in your life. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's another shoe. Uh, I, uh, there's two more shoes. Um, so one of them as well, um, A Cold Wall did a collaboration with Converse. And uh, there, I know there was one person that I met through IG. His name is Luke over in uh, in Ottawa. He tried to cop, and then it just sold out right away. Really cool, uh, utilitarian. It looks pretty awesome. I wanted to cop it as well, but I was a little caught up with work, so I didn't even have the chance to to do it. But that is a pretty cool shoe. Uh, have you have you had a chance to see that one? I didn't see that one. It flew under my radar. I think a lot of times Converse collabs they do pretty well, um, but. For all you aspiring resellers out there, Converse collabs generally don't have a lot of high market price. But, you know, they usually do really well. Like, they're really cool shoes. I think the ones that are really cool are the uh, the JW Anderson ones, the glitter ones. Oh, yeah. I, like I that think one. those are cool. Yeah. Those ones are really cool, too. Uh, and, and then... The third uh, shoe. <laughs> You're ready for it. Um, of course, we got to talk about the Fragment and Jordan brand collaboration. Fragment 3s. The Fragment 3s. Then they had the Air Cadence as well. Um, I think a while, I forgot the year, apologies. But really what set it off, I think, for the streetwear culture is when they found the Fragment 1s. Yeah. Right. And that was, I'll be all, I'll be honest with the listeners. I, that, at that point, I was not into sneakers, not into shoes. But the Fragment 1s um, are beautiful. They just pay, they have such a different design language from Virgil, and I don't want to get into who's better. But when I think about Hiroshi, I think about the Japanese aesthetic of really respecting the silhouette, respecting the brand, and just trying to do their best to pay homage. You can could you say that's the same as I just thought about this as Seiko as a watch brand, loving Swiss timepieces loving the whole process and the romanticization of swiss timepieces and trying to do their best and you know make make another great timepiece but out of japan could you relate yes. that kind of I, thing? I think i think you could say that um i think that's super fair and you can also draw the parallel bar they're both super well respected in their fields mm-hmm. and they're just fully permeating um everywhere so if you go to anybody who is a streetwear enthusiast and goes like, hey, do you know like what Fragment is? Mm-hmm. They're going to say yes. You know, if you go to anyone who is a watch nerd, it's like, hey, do you know what Seiko is? Yes. Uh-huh. And Fragment, you know, is just, it's so cool, I think, because a lot of people know what it is. Yeah. But nobody really knows where it comes from. They just like, it's just in their mind. It's there. It's just cool. It's like when you hear their name fragment, like oh oh crap, they're doing a, they're doing a collaboration with Jordan's. Got to look really sick. I mean, let, yeah. let's talk about the apparel first before we get into the shoes. The apparel. What did you think about it? I like the apparel. Yeah. I like the apparel. Um, I think it's very collegiate, which is very appropriate for Jordan brand fragment. Mm. Dive dive into that a little deeper. Why why would that make sense for it being uh, okay? Collegiate? So um, right now I think Jordan brand 
rests very heavily on its laurels of being, you know, Jordan brand. But coming to get Jordan brand, you have all the sports and collegiate history behind it with mm. Michael Jordan. Yeah. And Fragment has done a lot of collegiate looking clothing in the past. Um, one of the really, really big name ones that they did was uh, Louis Vuitton and Fragment. And that entire, that entire collection was very, very collegiate. Even their t-shirts looked like band t-shirts with like Louis V and Fragments. And it just looks very effortless. I think that's a very Fragment thing to do. Just like make it effortless and different. So having this collegiate sportswear looking clothing is perfect for the collaboration, I think. And yeah, it looks executed really well. It does, uh, especially I think there's a blue hoodie um, in the collection too. I could be wrong, uh, but that blue hoodie to me just harks back to the the famous fragment one. I'm just like that's a little nod. Like the shoe doesn't have that color in there uh, in the palette, but I think for a lot of fans of the the whole Jordan brand fragment collection, that's like something that oh I'm I'm gonna get this. I might not get the shoes, but I'm gonna get this because it's gonna go well w- with uh, with the, the with the ones I have. Exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, before we get to the most notable one in the collection, there was a second shoe, which is a um, air cadence. I think that's what they they call it. Let me actually just look, this look up. at that too. I, I wish mean. I wish I had a young Jamie like uh, Joe Rogan that can search stuff up for me. So the the second shoe that came out in addition to the Air Jordan Three Retro was the Jordan Air Cadence. Um, it looks really good. I think it's a great everyday shoe. Uh, it's got the... Th- yeah, go on. I think it's the shoe that's going to be forgotten in time. Oh. Does that give me a chance to buy it? You should, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it looks good. I, it, I think it looks, looks good, too. I just think it's going to be lost to time. Like with track pants or like, you know, even some like nice trousers. Or shorts. Yeah, shorts would look Anything. great, too. Yeah. Good this is one of the, texture. Yeah, I think this uh, this air cadence is it's a really good design. It's well done. It's a little bit different from a regular air cadence, from what I can tell. But I feel like this is gonna be one of those shoes, like the Fragment Converse that came out like six years ago. Um, people are just gonna forget it exists. Yeah, drive the prices down because I really want this shoe. And through the Nike. Um, through the Nike sneakers app in Canada, they didn't even have the shoe. It was really? so bogus. Yeah. And then Foot Locker was like, it, it's exclusive to whatever their, their VIP app was. And I tried to find the app and I couldn't even find it. So, so yeah, what's the deal, man? I wanted to buy that Come on, shoe. Nike. Um, I don't know if uh, StockX has it. But anyways, I'm not going to look at that. Let's talk about the Jordan 3 retro. Jordan 3s. From, from so cool. Fragment. Yeah. Really good design. I think that's a shoe to hold on to and buy. I like how they changed the back tab mm-hmm. to make it a, the translucent the, one, right? With the fragment, um, because like making one of those back tabs and making an exclusive like mold for that—that's yeah. a lot of work. It is. It is, and and it's such a small detail that you're like, oh, this looks amazing. The first time I saw it was so I I from the Blast podcast. I actually sold the Jordan Three retro denims. And they had that same thing. Uh, the back um, heel was like a translucent, you know, material, TPU, whatever. Um, and this one has it too. I, it's such a nice detail because um, in certain lights, you'll see that it's the Jumpman and then you'll actually see the Fragment logo as well. Yeah, I think it's sick. I think it's so cool. Yeah. 
10 out of 10, one of the best shoes. Um, I mean, looking at the uh, fabric and, and the leather, it looks like the same as other the other Jordan 3 uh, retros, which is, yeah. it'll be nice, it feels nice on the feet and everything. And I think it's just really clean. Um, it's a clean, well-executed shoe. When you compare it to the design language of like a Virgil Abloh, um, it's different. Yeah. I, uh, I wish they could have made it a tiny bit more fragment-y, mm. if, that's, if that makes sense. How? How would they do that? I'm looking at samples and they had blue in there. Oh. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, or if they made, you know how like the, the bottom of a Georgian has like that circle by the ball of the foot? If you made that into like the fragment logo, oof. So, so the subtle designs, like the yeah. little things that like tell you it's fragment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If Georgian and Fragment want to take that idea from me, um, <laughs> you can find me. I'll take royalties. Yes, yes. Remember, remember his IG, guys. Remember his IG. <laughs> no, I think the Fragment, is a, that's a really good shoe. Some people don't like it because it's a three, but those people are wrong. <laughs> hey, I like threes, and I even like the unpopular opinion that I like twos. I like Jordan 2s. Okay, that's weird. Okay. Uh, yeah, call me weird. On the record, call me, but I, I don't know. What, but when I see, the funniest thing is when I see a 2, I don't think, like, I'm going to rock that with, like, white, sh- uh, white socks and, like, shorts or something. Like, I think I'm going to rock these in some, like, stonewashed dad jeans. That's yeah, Jordan 2 is, is very, like, it's cemented hipster. in time. It's very hipster to me. It's very hipster. <laughs> I don't think because the Jordan three looks good in twenty twenty, but the Jordan two does not look good. It looks weird looks because like, it's like it's so it's so easily tie identified to a time where it's like that's an old shoe, a hundred percent. And and that's the that's my opinion. Like I like it because like yo this is this looks old. Like this looks like a, like like I can beat this stuff up, and then my kids are gonna find it like ten years later. And be like, yo, what are these? <laughs> and then you can be like, yeah, I got these from my dad, but really, you bought them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I wasn't even alive yet when that uh, Jordan two came out. <laughs> when it came out, <laughs> hell no, man. But yeah, I mean, just to wrap that up, the fragment collab with Jordan Brand. Great execution. I think you have a point, though. The three, for some people, it could be like, oh, yo, there's, there's not enough fragment in there, and it looks a little boring. Um, I'm on the side, like, I think they've just done enough where it doesn't push it too far. Um, and it respects. It respects the silhouette, and it's just well executed. Super well executed. Would cop, did not cop. I'm not going to cop for a grand or whatever it's trading at for now. Yeah, the the whole sneaker resale thing is uh, is crazy. And I, I've seen a lot of people on IG getting frustrated. Like they'll they'll do screenshots, put on their story, like you know another L. You know how many more do we got to take? I will applaud Union LA when they dropped that Jordan Four collaboration. They did that so well. It was actually well done. Um, did when they, did did the they tell people to uh, skate out of the store with some of their shoes before? Yeah, I remember, I don't know if it's Union, but one of these stores for these super hyped um, shoes, if you couldn't do a kickflip out of the store with the shoe, you I couldn't buy it. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty, uh, it's pretty valid, pretty dope. It's Especially pretty cool. if it's a dunk, right? We, we talked about it in the previous ones. It's like, do you have to skate? Technically, you don't, but if you think about the, what the shoe is and it's a skate shoe, then yeah, maybe you should do a kickflip uh, before you can buy it. 
Or at least like right out of the store. Yeah, right out of the store. That that should be fine. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, but yeah, uh, hope that kind of gives everyone a little bit of glimpse of what happened. I mean, a lot there in footwear and in fashion. There's a lot of things happening all the time, especially with sneaker releases. When we talk about watches, though, I feel like it's totally different. Oh yeah, time slows down with watches because there's just not that much action that happens all the time. But each action. When it comes out or something happens, it's like huge news. You know what I could think of? Are you a fan of Breitling? Sorry, let, let me ask you that. Are you a fan Breitling? of Breitling? Not really, no. Okay. I, I, I would agree. I don't like any new Breitlings. However, as the guy that likes old things, I like old Breitlings. Like the top times uh, and everything, I think during like the beginning of COVID, they they released some sort of chronograph, really yeah. fun aesthetic. Like I like that because they it, had the it, uh, rainbow um, hour markers or something like that. Yeah, it just looks really fun. Um, but Breitling, I felt like had a few releases and quite a bit compared to <coughs> to other brands. Well, oh, geez, are you okay? <coughs> <coughs> All right. Low key choking on my coffee. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna drink some water. Take drink take some two. Water. Take two. Take two. <laughs> no, I think. Um, <coughs> All right, we're never gonna it, talk about Brightling on this podcast again. <laughs> it kills me. Um, no, uh, I think Brightling. They have a great heritage, but some of their newer designs. They don't do it for me. Was it like a navi- Like for me, when I think of Brightling, I think of a Navi timer. Navi timer is like what forty three. 42, 43? Yeah, that's the only thing I think of when I think of Breitling. Yeah. They have oh, like, and of... Yeah. They also know. have the... They have, like, the uh, the emergency watch and, like, some of those with digital displays. That's what I was going to say. It's, like, the analog and the digital kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's it's not me. It's, I don't want to be, like, a Rolex fanboy, like, a Tudor fanboy, but it's it's just not me. It's not the same. Not the it's same. not the same. But you're right, though. With watches, it is an entirely different product cycle, especially with new releases. Um, I mean, how, how, how good of a watch can you get at one point, right? Exactly. How, how old has, has, this, has horology been? It's been like, forever. If you think about it, how old is an AP in, in uh, Patek? Do you know? Ballpark? Uh, off, off the top of my head, 1870-something. Yeah, eighteen seventy something. We're in twenty twenty right now. Yeah, Think about all that time 17. in between, yeah. and and it's like, how good can you get at this point? Exactly. <laughs> with shoes, I think it's different. Oh no! And shoes, it's like you can do so much more. Yes, and because you can have like a new sole, you can have like a new upper, you can like do all of this stuff. But it's like a watch is its purpose really. It's like okay, are you going to do new hands? Oh well, you're going to have to redevelop the the dial. What if it's not symmetrical? Like all this stuff, right? So, totally and because cycle. the clientele for a shoe, say you mess it up and like there's glue stains on it, that's fine. That's part of the uh, you know part of the look. You don't just you've already bought it. But if if you got a new watch that came out and like the hand has burrs on it from machining, that's not a good look. Dive into that. Sorry, uh, for those that don't know, the burr comment. Why don't you educate? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, like, say you're listeners. making, you're just machining metal in general, and you cut it out with um, with a CNC like robotic cutter or laser cutter. You're left with sharp and rough edges on the 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 surface of the metal, 
And what you should do is deburr it by grinding it down and sanding it down. Mm-hmm. And that's just one more process you need to do. So what I, I wanted to say was that with a sneaker release or a fashion release, if there is a product flaw like that, so like glue stains on a sole of a shoe or some loose threads on a gar- or like a piece of clothing, that's somewhat acceptable for clothing and shoes. Mm-hmm. Totally unacceptable for watches. I agree. Yeah. So just having that sort of heightened um, floor of quality yeah. makes new releases very hard. That, I mean, that, that's a good point. Um, I think for those that you either have a watch or like you don't have a watch, when you compare something that's in the $200 range and then you'll maybe look on Instagram or like you might see us or just like, why would you ever pay, you know, over $5,000 for a watch? It just tells time. That's really the difference. You're going to be yeah. looking at these things like finishing, how well is it machined, all this stuff. And I could tell you, I've purchased a $150 um, Orient watch, which is a Japanese brand. And yeah, the finishing is is not great. It's very, you know, sharp. It's very static, right? It's just kind of like, here's the edge of the case. Here's the top of the case. Here's the bottom of the case. Exactly. But once you get into, you know, the what I call the more enthusiast range, or it's the intro luxury, then you'll see, oh my gosh, the way it's finished, it's like, it's smooth, or like, oh, there's a nice accent of, it goes from brush to polish. That's really where it gets exciting and where it gets really nerdy. Exactly, that's when it gets nerdy. Now, somewhat of a good segue into the next topic, which I like playing this game a lot. It's, you get an unlimited budget. You don't need to spend, like, it doesn't matter if you have, if you choose very, very high-end things, but unlimited budget, Mm-hmm. Five watches. What do you choose? Ooh. Let's see. I'm gonna start off. Okay. Let, let, let's do a trade. So we'll do it back and forth. You're gonna say. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll say one, and then you're gonna say one. I think for sure, an unlimited budget does not stop me from purchasing Seikos. Number one, I'm a exactly. huge Seiko fan. So I think the first watch that I will purchase is gonna be the Seiko 62 Mass. It's the reissue from a few years back. I would grab that um, because it's it's historical. There's dive history. Um, I believe that's really where all the kind of Seikos have gotten their design language. Of course, from maybe another brand as well. But you know, the 62 Mass is historical. Um, it's a great looking watch. The the modern one comes on a great. Um, I think it's a I'm trying to think. Is it a silicone or is it just a tropical strap? Anyways, it comes with a great strap looks great to me it gets the job done so i will first watch i will say is a seiko 62 mass in the same vein of having a watch that can do things like a tool watch i would want a totally different um mentality but i would want a rolex gmt pepsi the modern one um great watch um it's rolex sport so you can just beat it up and it's gonna keep ticking and I think it looks great. GMT, actually great function to have. Has the date window, uber functional. You could take off the Jubilee and put it on uh, on any strap and you're good to go. Somewhat under the radar. I agree. Um, you So you actually kind of segued into my next watch, but you should always, when you're considering a collection and if you have the ability to, to collect various, like numerous watches, a GMT should be in, in the mix. Because if whether you travel or you want to pretend you travel, it's just great seeing that, okay, here's my home time, and then here's like, you know, the, the, the current time I'm in. 
It's a you get to pretend been, you travel. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're we're all, we're in lockdown mode still, but it's like you can pretend. Um, great choice on the Pepsi, by the way. Great yeah. choice. Pepsi uh, over Batman, for sure. It's um, how can I say? When I think of the Pepsi, it's more adventurous to me. Yeah, more it's, color. It it just speaks like hey, like there's energy to it. Like let's go, let's go. You know, rotate the bezel. Okay, set that GMT hand and that. Let me just kind of dive into that. The Rolex GMT movement is so amazing. It is really, in my opinion, one of the best GMT movements out there. Such a robust movement. Heck yeah. And just the usability, too, of, of setting that second time zone. It's, whoever the engineer was, whoever designed that movement, hats off to you. That is an amazing They need launch. a raise. Yeah, exactly. If they haven't already, I would say. <laughs> All right, second watch. Second watch uh, for me, are you ready? It is a GMT. Okay. It's also okay. a Rolex. It is the Rolex Explorer 2 Steve McQueen black dial. Oh. Again, vintage guy. Vintage, vintage. guy. <laughs> I like that one. No, I, I really like that one. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I love that it's the orange uh, GMT hand. It just sparks adventure. Oh, yeah. Similar and it has a different Pepsi. looking uh, bezel, too. Yes. So I don't, yeah. It, it was before they did like the dar- larger numerals and everything. It's just a little more refined, a little skinnier. The lugs aren't as big as well, but for sure, that would be the second watch. And I think it's going for 15K in the yeah. uh, pre owned market. Yeah. It's probably going to go up more um, because it's vintage Rolex Sports, and yeah. you know how that goes. Exactly. Exactly. Well, not anytime soon. I will say that. I'm not throwing down on that anytime soon. All right. Second watch for you. Second watch for me is a chronograph. I'm excited. I'm excited. It is. Give me a hint. Right. It's going to be the 38 millimeter Royal Oak chronograph, modern, um, white dial with blue sub dials. You got to stay true to to the APs. Yeah, I know. Gotta gotta represent. Now, there's a few. There's a few that might take that position. I might want to switch it up later. But why that one? Flyback chronograph, display case in the Royal Oak 38. 38 is great size. Especially, well, let, let's give a reference. Why do we always talk about sizes when it comes to watches? Why do we? Why do we sometimes hear like, oh, anything below 36 is great on me. Anything below 38, or like, oh no, I I can't do that. For me, it's 42. Why does, <laughs> funny? Why does size matter with watches? Size matters. Um, because you know, it just doesn't sit on your wrist. You know, you could be a big, big person and like a big guy or whatever. And you still have small wrists, like that's just your bone structure and how like your arm meets your hand. Or you could have like large wrists. And if you have a small wrist and you're wearing, say, like something monstrous, like a 50 millimeter dive watch, it's going to look weird because it doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, if you have that monstrous wrist and you're wearing like a 27 like millimeter, <laughs> it might look a bit awkward. Yeah. And so so basically it's with watches, it is not one size fits all. Or is it? What's your opinion? Are watches one size fits all? I don't think it's one size fit all. Okay. I don't think so either. But I will say this. We talk about case diameters. For me, it's lug to lug. Me too. That really matters. Uh, Hamilton's, they have this, like, they have a few, 
and it's just like it might be a third 40 millimeter but those lugs are so sharp they just overhang and it looks like looks like, doesn't look good that, that's all ap's they, they say it's a 40 millimeter and it wears like a 42 ap cases man so if there's anything to take away from that little uh sidebar is try the watch if you can try the watches on first it's hard to tell through specs sometimes, and it's hard to tell through images that, hey, this watch is going to fit me. Um, for reference, um, and you should share yours after too, I have a seven and a quarter inch wrist. I like watches between 36 millimeter to 39. The only you know outlier there is a Seiko Turtle, which I think is like a 42, something like that, but it has very short, stumpy lugs. That's why it looks okay on me. What's for for the audience? What's your reference point? What do you like wearing? What's your wrist size? I have no idea what my wrist size is actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can say like the the older Submariner um, eleven forty sixty, like just a past current one. Um, those lugs end up right at the edge of my arm, um, so it's like the maximum size I can wear for the most part. Um, I usually wear 40 millimeters. Um, my AP is 41, but whatever. <laughs> um, I still like it. So usually usually I go like 38 to 40, 41, depending on what it is. Nice, yeah. I hope that's, a, I hope that's helped someone out who's thinking about buying a watch. Um, yeah, just try it on and hopefully you can use you know us as a reference and see what size is right for you when you're doing your shopping. Um, third watch for me. Third watch for you. Uh, okay, so I've I've gone through the Seiko tool watch. I've also gone through the Explorer Two, um, Steve McQueen black dial. For my third watch, I would choose a Glassout Original Panel Reserve, and I've tried this watch on before, and I think it was for like twelve k. Um, and the the dealer that day actually said there was a huge sale with Glossuit because it wouldn't move. And they said, I can offer you 30% off. After that, I mean, you take that and you're like, it's, it's a steal. Because when you, th- when you see made in Germany pieces, and I think of three, and you can, you can attest to this. I think of Nomos, I think of Glossuit, and I think of uh, Elangenzon. Yeah, I'm the, nodding my head. The finishing is gorgeous. It's so good, and it's so different. It's so different. The dial layout, um, you know, you're seeing like the time at like a different place and you're not used to it. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful watch. I think I regret not picking it up, but I chose the BB58 over the glass suit. Yeah, it's a good choice. Yeah. Still a good choice. Cannot blame you for that one. <laughs> How about you? Number three. Okay, number three. Um, the glass suit somewhat of a dressy watch. I would like a dressy watch as well. So what would I choose as my dress watch? I would choose, and this is like the most ridiculous thing, um, but I would want a Philippe Dufour. Simplicity. I'll do, I'll do a Philippe Dufour simplicity or a resonance. I don't care. That's not a Philippe Dufour. I know. Um, for context of people who don't know what that means is um, Philippe Dufour is a man on a mission. When you think of John Wick and he has like a singular mission, 
That is Philippe Dufour, but with quality and production. Philippe Dufour hand makes every single component in his watches, and it's like impossible to get one um, to even like order one. It doesn't happen. Wasn't so. he a watchmaker for for another? Sorry, was wasn't he also working for a different watchmaker beforehand? I believe he was working for Patek, but. That's what I, that's what I think. Too. I know. Sorry, we need someone that can fact check us again. I wish we had a young Jamie on on this podcast. I know. But then bring it up. Um, but yeah, I'll take a Philippe Dufour. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a very good one. Um, it's a nerdy one. I no, but see, if if you know, then you know. Then you're like, oh, geez, because if if our fact is true that he was a he he was with Patek, think about all the knowledge he gained. Think about how much you know he knows about movements, and then going out on his own is he's bringing that same craftsmanship under his own name, and I think that is, that is a very value-packed brand out there that not a lot of people know about. I think for even more context about how good he is, when I was in Switzerland and I was having a training with one of these brands that are like very very good, we talked about finishing, and they said, you know, our finishing is the best in the world. It very may will be. Until someone in the room said, "No, it's not." They're like, "Who's better?" Oh, Philippe. And they're like, "Philippe's um, studio was down the street." And they're like, "Yeah, you're you're sort of right." <laughs> <laughs> and this is a brand representative, you know. So yeah. he's that good. He is. He is that good. Uh, Google it. Um, de- definitely look at the timepieces yourself. Um, and I, I think you might fall in love. You might not fall in love with the price tag, but you will fall in love with the story um, and, and those pieces that he crafts. It, it is truly mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Number four. Number four. It, you know what I love about this? These are such contrasts. It's great. I know. <laughs> I love this. Um, my number four, um, and I will credit this. I'm sorry. I will credit this to the John Mayer effect. <laughs> And it is the IWC 5002. <laughs> so you can put it up on your nightstand. And it becomes a clock. <laughs> I, look, I credit that watch because after watching the first Talking Watches with John Mayer, that's the watch that stood out to me. Really cool. I'd, I don't know if I could wear it. But I think just to tell everyone, hey, I've fallen into the John Mayer effect is let me grab the 5002. <laughs> Plain and simple. I have no reason other than this is the John Mayer effect. This is and what happened to me. Yes. Don't let it happen to you. Yeah. Or, or if you like him, then yes, you can have it happen to him. But yeah, the 5002, aesthetically, it's a tool watch. It, it's different than the 5004s and the current lineup as well because I think... They've transitioned from utility to luxury in a sense, um, and that still holds that you know tool aesthetic, and I like it. And it's Jamir, so yeah. There you <laughs> That's go. My fourth. How about you? What do I have right now? I have a GMT Pepsi. I have a thirty-eight Chrono. I have the Philippe Dufour. So number four, I need. What do I need? I think I need something like complicated. I think that's what I need. Split second? Is it? Is it a? Is it a moon phase? Like what? what, what I don't what, know. What I Triple don't know. perpetual calendar. 
the thing is, my my look and what I like in watches is very like casual, very sporty. But I also don't want to keep picking the same things. Because hey, my we gut can reaction, re- we, we, yeah, we could do this. We could revisit this, and then we'll see I how know. it changes. My gut reaction is like AP Royal Oak Perpetual, which is like a great piece. Um, AP, you need a you need to get at this guy. All right, I know. Like, <laughs> hit me up. Um, we already know each other. Um, but I think I don't want to pick the AP for that because I have the thirty eight Chrono in this list for something truly complicated. Or outrageous. I think this is going to be something outrageous. I want a RM04 split second chrono- chronograph. I almost thought you were going to do a Roger Dubuis. Excalibur? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, that you're going to throw that in the mix. But okay, RM. Respectable. RM04 um, split second chronograph. I would want it in black ceramic because it's RM and it's ridiculous. It fits you and your 911. Yeah. Because if you didn't have the RM, you would have like a Bugatti, but you bought an RM instead. <laughs> if it's you and your Aston, if it's you and your four four garage home, yeah, five garage home. I don't know. I think RM's like I don't know. The thing is, like this, I didn't think of these watches beforehand. I'm just thinking about on the spot. So I think the RM or or. An AP concept super oh, sonnery. Okay, okay. Ooh, you I think pulled out the also, big guns. I think that's also a really good pick. I think so too. When you go AP concept, I I I would say that goes over RMs. There's just something about it. The thing is, I've tried that wash before and it doesn't fit my wrist. It's okay. Just like clothing, as long as you rock it with confidence, <laughs> it's yours. Okay. Nope. I'm sticking with the RM04 split okay. second chrono. RM04, okay. Number five. Number five. Okay. Look, I have utility in mind. I have a lot of ruggedness. I think it shows a lot about my character, right? And a lot of being humble, right? A lot of these, it could fly under the radar. No one would call me out on it. But for my last watch, I'm going to bring out the big guns. And it is the Rolex. Daytona with the rainbow baguette. Let's go. Yes. (laughs) That is the last watch I'm picking. If money was on issue, I would do that. Because as humble as I am, there's a part of me that is a douchebag, that is an asshole, and that wants to You want that. I want a stunt, and that's my watch to stunt with. You know what? That's a stunter that's going to go to McDonald's and then just like, you know what? I can get a Big Mac, extra large fries. Boom. Yes, right. Supersize that. No questions asked. You go to Chipotle, want walk? It's extra. I don't care. That's fine. Give me, give me two other cups. It's good. I have this guy on me. You know, just exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I hope, uh, I hope that 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 shocked you. You know. So that's 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 my last watch. That is what I would get. How about you? Number five, last one. Make it number ca- five. Make it good. Make it count. Last one is going to be. On the same theme of being the ultimate ostentatiousness. Grandmaster Chime by Patek Philippe. I, okay, for those I can't see, my eyes are lit up right now. Oh my god, how much is that going for? It's like 1.3. 
<laughs> but hey, it's your stunt watch. It's your stunt watch. The Grandmaster Chime. Uh, for those that don't know, what does it look like? What is the it Grandmaster doing? Chime? I, t- I don't even remember exactly all that it does. It does everything. But Grandmaster Chime is like when you think. I just imagine it being on the wrist of Napoleon Bonaparte, like the most imperial-looking thing. It will ring the hours at you. It has a perpetual calendar. I think it has a chronograph as well. But the entire case is engraved and gorgeous. Oh, that is gorgeous. Okay, I'm looking at one with salmon dial. Is that the one you would get? Or no. The, no. No, no, no. I want a white dial. White dial. Okay. Moon phase on there, too. Yeah. Jeez. That is looking Another, Another a good choice would be, like, the Sky Moon Turbion. Hey, anytime you throw in a Turbion, I mean, I'm all for it. Game, Maybe, right? Yeah. I'm game for it. Even though it wasn't on my list, I'm game for it. But I do AP uh, Turbion. Ooh, the, X, the, the thin one. Yeah. Right? That's taste. That's taste right there. That is taste right there. Um, In this hypothetical, you would get the skeleton turbion. That exists. I think... Who has it? No, no, no. I I was going to say, I think uh, I've seen that on the wrist of Conor McGregor. But no, he has a different Petek that's skeletonized. I don't remember it, though. But anyways. He had some great picks. Um, yeah, you, had utili- you had utility in there You had class And you just had full out Look at this Balls out This is what I'm stunting with I like, I like your energy. list Yeah You have some big dick energy in there You can see the <laughs> dichotomy in our choices here <laughs> <laughs> You can You can <laughs> uh, I would be really curious to see um, What some other people's uh, choices are And uh, one thing um, I mean I don't want people to get the wrong reaction to it. If you look at the watches we picked, majority of them are mechanical pieces and are automatic pieces. It does not mean, and hopefully maybe we'll springboard into this, that quartz is a bad thing. That's a separate episode altogether, but quartz is not a bad thing. It's just for this. If we had, you know, unlimited budget, this is what we would get. Um, But there are great quartz watches out there. I would go with a Grand Seiko great quartz movement or even if you want to spend a little there's spring drive which is kind of an amalgamation between a quartz that's cool and i like the spring drive i think it's really cool yeah spring drives are, spring drives are really really cool i want to go to japan hey seiko japan hopefully one day we're gonna fly out there bring us through the tour and let me walk out well let us walk out with one timepiece. that's all i ask for just one yeah just, just one that's all i want for we can share yeah yeah maybe why fine 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 we'll do that we'll, we will share <laughs> we will share <laughs> or one each yeah Last topic. Okay. What's what's that? It's the new Apple Watch Series Six. Okay. Maybe we'll, maybe this will have to be the title of the podcast. Apple Watch Six. You have thoughts. It looks like. For for those listening, uh, I do have thoughts. Uh, I don't want to come off snobby. I think I'm going to come off snobby. But before I do, you want to... So what's the difference? Darius, tell me, why is this new Apple Watch a thing? Why is it so great? 
What makes it different than um, previous Apple Watches? There's a, okay, so they do a lot with the uh, sensor tech and like the new, the new software. I think what makes each Apple Watch series different is introduction of better sensors and better hardware. More than software. Okay. Software you can update. That doesn't matter yeah. um, as yeah. much. But it's new hardware that makes it a huge difference. Okay. And that's like hardware upgrades for people that use it for fitness? For everything. So the newest, the big headline was that now it can measure um, blood oxygen levels. Within a certain range, it's not going to be like um, the same as going to a hospital. But you know, you're, it can measure blood oxygen levels, um, which is really, really cool. Really? Yeah. Okay, here's my first point. With a watch, do you really need it to do all of that? Do you need a watch? Oh, ah, look at him. He's got some great points. Ah, do I need a Okay, fine. You're right. Do I need a watch? I don't. I don't. But do I need an Apple Watch? Do I need a do I need do I really need a watch that can that can read me text messages that I can write one letter at a time when I want to send people? Do I need a watch that can show a heart like show my heart rate and all that stuff? The Apple Watch is very targeted towards certain individuals and um I'm just not the target demographic. I really am not. I don't understand it. And maybe you can share with me if you're into like you know smartwatches or or you know technology on your wrist, why it's such a great thing? Because I I really I I can dive into it, but I'm just not a smartwatch person. I don't get it. I think smartwatches are a great thing, especially the Apple Watch. Um, for two reasons. Number one, it's just purely utilitarian. It can be purely utilitarian. I think that's the best use for it. If it becomes a thing that you know helps you measure your your heart rate, measure, helps you plot out your workouts, helps you plot out um, how active you are throughout the day, mm-hmm. gives you notifications, um, and just keeps you on your you know, more update with your life as well as more data generation for yourself. Okay. Now, there's a lot of stories about Apple Watch, you know, saving lives because. It notices oh. that your blood oxygen level is low, or like your heart rate's abnormally fast, or something like that, and yeah. lets you know, and you find out something's wrong with you. I think that's really cool. And there's also the new fall detection stuff too. You know, so if you fall over and you set that to be a detection, yeah, it can automatically dial emergency services for you. Okay, which is great. Um, purely utilitarian. I think it's cool because that second reason is that I think it's really cool to have people get used to wearing things on their wrist again. Okay. You, you bring up a good point. <sighs> for, for your points, number, number one, uh, I didn't know of that, and that's my, that's my ignorance. Uh, apologies to the listeners. Um, I didn't know that I could do all that stuff, um, and I didn't know that you know that's kind of like an underlying function of reading your heart rate. In that case, it's great for those that that have underlying health conditions or that you know are more you know prone to certain things. A smartwatch would be really great for that. Um, and your second point, I guess, you're right. <laughs> Should I really be that you know picky about people wearing movements and Daniel Wellingtons? Where at the end of the day, they're at least wearing a watch. 
right? That lifestyle, that, you know, everything tied around it, they're still doing it. So is it that bad? You're right. Maybe it's not. I just look at it and maybe, maybe it's because I'm not at that age, right? For, for your first point. But I look at it as like, it's a consumer product and it will be thrown away and it will die and it will not last forever, right? So and when I think of it, I think about a watch that it can last forever. In a sense, it can last forever. If you maintain it well, and if you you know take care of it, you you do the maintenance, you you know X Y Z, or at least you wind it, it will still work. If someone was to take your AP, okay, let's say you you pass it down, right? Someone takes your AP, hundred years down the road, will it still work? Most likely. Yes. You take an Apple Watch, hundred fifty years come by, will it work again? Absolutely not. Yeah, unless, okay, unless you change the battery and do all that stuff, right? That's the difference. And that's why maybe I've been, I've been closed-minded about Apple Watches. Um, but they serve a good purpose. Do you know a lot of people with um, smartwatches in your a personal lot. life? Really? A lot of people. Um, what do I they use it for? They use it mostly for exercising um, and keeping track of the stuff. I know some people that double wrist it. They have their regular watch and their Apple Watch as well. Um, it's just that useful to them. You know, it just becomes an extension of their phone, which is what they're really attracted to. Mm-hmm. I, when I think about the future of watch companies maybe looking into integrating technology, I don't know if you've seen this in the brand. is Okay, Frederic Constant. Oh yeah, I know what you're, you're yeah. talking about here. It's like the 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 case back becomes some sort of sensor and like sends signals and like data to your phone. I think that's a that's a very elementary start, but it's a much needed start. And I think from there, brands out there may start to tinker, tinker around with integrating technology and integrating, you know, the the heart rate detectors and oxygen level detectors within their timepieces. I think, actually, don't agree with that one. Oh, okay. Because I think having, you know, I think of the Apple Watch as an entirely different product category from a mechanical timepiece or quartz, whatever. Like the the watch as a whole. The Apple Watch, I think, is a extension of your phone that happens to live on your wrist. An extension of your phone that happens to live on your okay. I see that. I see that. Right. I think it's a it's a piece of technology that is ultimately disposable, but it is an extension and it just helps you with all the things that I can do. And I don't think a watch manufacturer is going to be able to catch up with a tech company to integrate that stuff into their already complicated watches. Could you see anything like... What's the company Fitbit ever partnering up with watch companies where they provide that case back technology and they do a collab? Not, not, not saying you'll like it or I'll like it, but do you think there will come a time where, like you said, they don't have the capacity? Like in the, at the end of the day, they're not a tech company. So, of course, you know, UI, UX and like all the usability may lack compared to an Apple. So do you think there could be some future collaborations with smartwatch brands where they do something like the case back thing i remember on youtube i already saw someone who um it's actually already a product 
you put on the back of your watch and it, it measures like your heart rate and stuff like that. It's super elementary of what it can do, but I think it's a cool product. Um, I wouldn't purchase it because for the money of buying something to attach to my watch so that I can do rudimentary functions, I'll just go buy an Apple Watch and get mm-hmm. all those functions anyways. That's fair, yeah. Do you own an Apple Watch? I used to. It was a Series Zero, um, the first ever. Wow. And and did you, was that before you were really into mechanical pieces or was that like during? Or, or it what? was before and... Mm-hmm. I sometimes miss being able to just like get messages and leave my phone somewhere. That was the greatest thing about the Apple Watch. You could have your phone on your desk. Say you're at work. Just leave your phone at your desk and just go do stuff. Say you have to go somewhere just quickly to do get something or um, talk to somebody. You're not tied to the phone. You can just get up and walk off. And then if something urgent comes up, it's already on your wrist, you already know. Or if something not urgent, you don't need to go back immediately. You don't have that thing in the back of your mind thing like, oh, what if I get this email or someone calls me? You already know, yeah. it's fine. Because essentially like the whole ecosystem is you get your AirPods, you have your Apple Watch, and you have your phone, let's say. Let's, let's take out computers. So that means be it you're at work or be it at, at, you're at home, have your watch on you. I think nowadays it's pretty normal to see people with earphones or AirPods in. That means you you put down this chunky device. Now what I'm going to utilize is the smaller device that's more portable and I could take it anywhere. Okay. There there is a use for it. Uh, in, in my mind, the person that wears an uh, sorry to general this is very general, but the person that wears an Apple Watch, I think you are say the commuter. Um, you're on the go all the time. Um, you live a pretty active lifestyle and you want to be able to use the Nike running app or like some other apps to track your, you know, your progress and everything. Um, and for you, yeah, I think that, that, would, that would make more sense than buying like a G-Shock. Definitely. Okay. May, you may have just sold me on, on the purpose of an Apple Watch. On the idea of the Apple Watch existing as a product. Yes, and you're right though. You have to think of it more as a different category. It's not in the realm of, number one, a luxury timepiece. It's not in the realm of a Swatch, not in the realm of a G-Shock, right? It's totally different. And I think maybe if you look at it through that lens, then yes, you're going to find a use for it because it will then free you from looking at your phone and you're going to be you know, able to do other things um, around that, you know, and it'll, it'll, I think for productivity too, that could really help you. Uh, I don't own an Apple Watch, but I can only assume that you can't use Instagram. You can't use YouTube. You actually can. Oh, so you can use Instagram and things. Um, really? It's not the main purpose of having an Apple Watch. Okay. But having that option is a thing, but having another platform for developers to develop on and interact with their consumers is good and bad but being a consumer and having those options to you to choose is a great thing i'd be curious um to maybe try an apple watch out for like a week or two um but i think i'd have to be in the ecosystem of apple because uh the last apple phone i owned was the iphone 4 yeah, because after that, um, I switched. I switched over to, to Android, the Nexus 5, 
and then moving forward from there, I just I just stuck with Nexus. I mean, well, now it's Pixel, but yeah. I'm an Apple guy. See, more dichotomies. <laughs> hey, as long as I can, I can get sponsored by Google, and maybe if Apple sponsors you, we're good. <laughs> I am on my iPhone recording it and going on the on the chat on my MacBook that plays out of a HomePod. <laughs> See, but but with computers, I really like Apple. And maybe that's just, um, you know, maybe it's a, that's just the generation I grew up with. But um, with Apple computers, I solely believe they're better for what I needed to do. I do a lot of creative things. I'll use a lot of, you know, UX, UI, mock-up programs. I'll use Illustrator. It just makes more sense to me to do that on a Mac versus a PC. But when it comes to phones, man, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it with Apple. It just works. It just works. Okay. Same as the, you can say the same as the Apple Watch, right? It just works. Okay. Do you have, do you, so you own AirPods as well? Yeah. I own AirPods, of course. Is it the, the pro or or the uh, general? No, I have, I have the general, general ones. I have the first generation of AirPods. They still serve me well, so I'm not going to go replace them, but I would go buy new AirPods. When I was commuting more, I was at the point where if I lost my AirPods, I would go buy another pair of AirPods. Like, they, they are that good of a product. See, everyone, you, you, I think this just cements Darius is the forward-thinking, looks at the new. I still use earphones with wires. Okay, like, uh, not like for this podcast, but even like on, you know, when, when I'm working, like I'm literally wearing like headphones that have a wire in them or like even like earphones wire in them. I, I wanted to try some, uh, some Bluetooth earphones. I think a bit of me too is just like, oh, I don't know if the sound quality is going to be as good. I, I, I've tried, like, I remember when Bluetooth just came out, like I would try them. It had the worst sound ever. And maybe from then on, I'm just like, okay, Bluetooth earphones suck. Uh, I'm never going to do them. Like I'm never going to try them. See, this is where I had to make the distinction because right now I'm recording and like I'm listening through a pair of Audio Technicas, so like super well respected, like great brand, great headphones. But when I was getting into like purchasing like AirPods, before that I had a pair of Shures for my um, for like listening. I had a pair of Shures and like they're very audiophile esque and they're very good and like great reference monitors and great reference earbuds, but. When I thought of having these AirPods and having it as a commuter thing, I'm playing it off my phone. I don't have like a mixing table. I don't have all the stuff that would make the best use of my in-ear monitors or over-ear monitors. So why am I caring that much about the sound quality of something out of Bluetooth and my phone, like whatever? Damn, this is such a contrast. This is such a contrast. Because I think I think I think you touch on some great points. Your phone already, right, without like a direct audio jack, and now it's using an electrical conversion um, and going into earphones. Yeah, you're losing a lot of sound. And then with, okay, you, you make a lot of sense. But see, this is where I come in. I'm just like, no, man, it's got to be like the best 
quality, whatever. Like I, I have like a specific player on my Mac that like handles lossless files, like AIFF files. And like I listen through that. When I rip CDs and I still buy CDs and I still buy records, it's like I literally rip it at the lossless and then, <laughs> you know. And play it through a DAC and then you plug into the DAC. Exactly. Uh, okay. But that's the thing. If I'm not at home or like doing serious listening, I don't yeah. care that much. But here's here's my thing. I'm always doing serious listening. I'm oh, always serious go. listening. <laughs> there we go. I am the guy that if I'm sitting shoddy in the car, I am tweaking your EQ per song. Because it bugs, <laughs> it bugs the crap out of me when people mix things. And then because everyone mixes a different way and it's like a different genre, it's just like, holy crap, the highs are too high here. I'm going to dial it down. But the next song, it's just like, okay, I, can, I don't hear any highs here. Let me drop the, drop the lows, right? Maybe like, you know, bump the mids one, you know, one section and then like bump the highs. Like I will do that per song if I'm sitting in, in your car. But of course, I'll ask for it. I will ask for it. Imagine a road trip is just like. That's why I always harp back to like I remember some old cars. Like they would have a graphic EQ on the dash. Like very old. This is like nine, probably like a nineties car. Yeah, I wish. And that's the difference, right? That's the difference where I'm just very old school that way. The old and new. It's the old and new. Yeah, I look, how I put it is, I always look to the past to move forward. See, I look to the forward to move forward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, it, it is clearly represented in our choices that we had earlier. Yeah, and our preferences. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, okay, so we talked about five watches. I don't want to make it so hard. What if we went back to shoes and what if I what if I said top three shoes top three shoes sneakers sneakers sorry sneakers that you would like to, to to own and there's no price on there do I have to wear them or just to own them no you would have to rock it like I would rock all, like I would wear all those uh, watches like they would never be in a safe so you would have to wear these Damn, sorry. There's a lot of shoes that that means I can't own then. What? Mm-hmm. Really? They don't ex- Yeah. Because if it's like, okay, this, I'll, get, I'll tell you exactly why. Okay. If it was just for the purpose of owning mm-hmm. and like as a representation of culture, I would want like game-worn Jordan 1s, right? But you can't wear that because I'm not a size 13. Oh, no. No, no, no. So, okay, first pick. Okay. First go. pick. 85 Jordan Chicago's. Jordan 1 Chicago. <sighs> you, you took mine. Haha. <laughs> 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 what, what, what else would you... Okay, any sneakerhead out there, would you really pick anything different? If you, if you don't have that in your top three of like most influential and sneakers that you would love to own... You can hand in your sneaker card, card and sneakerhead card, and you know just stop getting into sneakers. They were made differently, and uh, the, the shape of it. When I see them on Instagram, I'm just like, holy crap, these are so nice. I would, I really want one. I really want to wear one. That's my pick too. The for right. number one, but you know what? I can't. I, I I need to let you have time to think about your number two. It's not fair. I mean, we we both share the number one pick. 
number two pick, I will have to say, sneakers. <sighs> hmm. Okay. I, I wasn't able to get this one, um, and it came at a time. Oh, great. I just realized it's a part of the John Mayer effect. Okay. Oh, so no. similar to watches, you know, I had one John Mayer in here. I'm going to, in there, I'm going to do another one in here. I can see your face already. It's going to be the friends and family acronym Vapor Maxes. <laughs> <laughs> the silver ones. The silver ones. Uh, those are dope. Uh, there's a bit of me that, um, that regrets not getting them. Um, but yeah, well, not the friends and family, of course. I mean, like the, the when they released it in that colorway that was not friends and family with the neon yellow or green with the white upper and the black, you know, all over, uh, step and repeat. This is really nice. I would wear that. I wouldn't wear it with jeans, but I would wear it with, you know. They're some, coming. Some They're tickets. releasing one pair of the uh, friends and families. Really? Yeah. Um, it's for a fundraiser by Errolson, but there you go. Good luck. Uh, nah. I am shit out of luck at that point. So that'd be my number two. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I would get. How about you? Okay, my number two is actually a very similar effect. Not John Mayer, but I would want <laughs> Yeezy 2 Red Octobers. Ooh. <laughs> Yo, I could see that with your RF. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do... Okay, so Jairus is wearing a, a gray sweatshirt right now, a crewneck sweatshirt. That's your That's your fit right there. I could see it. Red October is you have your RM on that wrist right there. You just you, and it's it's clean. There's no nothing pants. Else. Uh, well, I guess no pants. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, I would do Yeezy Two Red October. I could see it. Um, damn, that would be a really nice fit. Like that that fit. Like what what you're wearing right now with that. Yeah. Solid. solid and it's like solid, solid. super influential sneaker. Great story behind it. Like such oh, a cool yeah. story. Hell yeah! I look for for those that. Shoot, shoot, uh, I was gonna say shoot, but that talk poorly about Kanye. I get him, man. I totally understand Kanye. I like Kanye. I like his craziness. I like his, his energy, what he's putting out there. He did this, um, interview with Nick Cannon. It's a two parter, it's on YouTube, and it, it, it's really good. It's really, really good. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. But, don't speak poorly on Kanye. He is really making changes. He's really doing new things, and he's trying to push boundaries. And not everyone can understand it, but from a creative point of view, I love it. You need should someone be, like that in the in the public. Should we explain the story behind the Red October? You should. Yes. Okay. Explain why, or explain why it's it's so significant in the sneaker culture. Okay. So the Red October is. The sixth shoe of a sixth shoe collaborate of actually a better way to say is it is the sixth shoe of a five shoe collaboration between Nike and Mr. West. So this is before Adidas, obviously, Um, but Nike and Kanye came out with a couple of shoes. They came out with um, the Air Yeezy one in three different colorways, and those were hits and they sold sold out and everything. And they did well. Kanye has always had the idea of collaborating with a fashion company to make his own line and make his vision become a real thing. And that's been his sort of MO for the past like 10 years to make his own fashion company and make his own line. But Nike, if you know anything about Nike corporate, is that Nike is 
incredibly controlling about their brand image and their brand products, which makes sense. Now, when the Air Yeezy 2 came out, Kanye became increasingly frustrated with the lack of creative control of what he had over the shoe that bore his name. You know, having a a shoe named after you, one, is cool, but two, not being able to influence anything about that shoe didn't ring well with someone who wants ultimately to make their own clothing line. So Kanye, they released two of them, two of the shoes. They released the Solar Reds and Pure Platinums. And then they ended that relationship. And at the time, the Red October was already teased. And they said, okay, this exists. But the relationship ended and everyone thought it wasn't going to end, wasn't going to drop. And that was that. So at this point in time now, Kanye and Nike are not friends. They are not um, collaborating. Out of the blue, Nike tweets on Twitter, Air Yeezy 2, Red October, now available. Mm-hmm. Just out of the blue. And that Good is the PR. launch. Great PR, but that is the launch of the Red October 2. And that is just a huge middle finger to Kanye saying like, hey, we took your design. We're releasing it. If you want to sue us, good luck. Nike has way more money than you. So that sparked how that sparked that whole like anti-Nike thing with Kanye. That also sparked all the all red sneakers of like 2012. 2014 right that's why red sneakers were a thing and it got to the point where kanye couldn't even get his own shoes like he had to buy them resale that's why they had he has a lyric in one of the uh, one of the story one of his songs saying like um yeezy is going on ebay for like 10 g's and that's a real story where he purchased a pair of red october so he could wear them during the um watch the throne tour for ten thousand dollars which is his own shoe, which is incredible. So that is the story of Yeezy 2. Isn't that... If you're into watches, isn't that a crazy story? That a public figure, someone who's really well-known, has this deal, ends a relationship because it was too, you know, it, it, was, it was too limited in creativity, and then that brand ends up launching the shoe. But it's a great a, story, yeah. It's a great, it's a great story, story and, and it's cemented. And I think that drives Kanye to do better. I think, but he, he loves he loves Nike. It's not like a, he doesn't shy away from it. He just recently wore like the Nike ISPA, I don't know the model, and he, like, he said he loves it. I think it's been long enough where he's like over it, like whatever. He already has this Adidas Yeezy empire and yeah. Yeezy clothing line empire. He's over it. yeah. Well, Nike too. It's uh, you got you got balls, and then after that, Nike goes and hires Virgil Abloh, and then brings on Jerry Lorenzo, a fear of God. You know, all this kind of like his network of people. All the boys. <laughs> it's it's like, like okay, hey. it's a bit odd. Yeah, but yeah, that's number two. Great story. Number three. All right, number three. <laughs> I think we're we're learning so much about each other here, and we're like releasing so much to the world about. Um, you know this this kind of synergy we have. Yeah. My third shoe is gonna be probably the cool one of the coolest shoes I've seen in 2020, and it is the Jound and New Balance 992. 
That Have you seen the I meme think. where people, it's like people in their 20s choose one of these brands to base their personalities yeah, on? <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of uh, people I follow on IG did it. I'm just like, oh my gosh, why do I relate so much to that? Like, the, like, that's me. the, uh, the New Balance, I'm just like, damn, that is me. That is me. Uh, I would choose that shoe in, in the gray colorway, not the green one. It's, uh, I don't know. 2020 has really been the year of of New Balance, and it's all thanks to the, the person heading their there's was I guess partnerships, right? The person heading it, he's done a really good job. It's almost, and how I think of it, and I'm not a big New Balance head. Let me just say this: no, I, you can say I hopped on the hype train, but New Balance, from what I know, has never been about you know celebrity endorsements. Has never been about all of that stuff and finding ambassadors. New Balance has always been about creating the best running shoe or the best performance shoe for the price you're paying. They were one of the first to drop a shoe for $100. And at that point, that was something that was outrageous. But that was their focus. And to see that the the brand shift a little bit and to be a little, you can say, modernized in their strategy and kind of disrupt things, I think is a really great thing. Um, why, I mean, Jound as, as well as just a, a brand and a creative, he does really cool things. It's really minimal. There's a certain aesthetic to it. Um, and that collaboration, that piece coming together is just tastefully done. And I could see myself, you know, wearing it. Shout outs as well. I'm going to shout out um, my friend Mark Sun. Um, he, when I think of New Balance, I think of him. Because in high school, he was the only one that'd be wearing New Balance. Everyone's wearing like Nike. Everyone's wearing Adidas. He was the only guy wearing New Balance. Uh, and then from high school onwards, I would go to like Get Outside, which is a Toronto um, footwear um, store, and I would look at New Balances too. I would see like the five seven fours and be like, "Hey, that's so that's so Mark." And I see all these other models. Um, so yeah, I just want to give a shout out there that I can't. I'm not a New Balance head. I will pay respects and I will you know give credit where credit is due. But for my third shoe, I am picking the Jound <laughs> New Balance. New Balance. As basic uh, males in his 20 can be. That is what I'm picking. Uh, number three, I was, I'm struggling to think of something that I would actually wear. Part of me wants to say like Nike mag, right? Um, which would be really cool. But would I wear? Probably not. But what... The shoe that I'm gonna pick is might be might be a, an oddball, but I also think it represents a great story in sneakers. Okay. Freddy Krueger dunks. Freddy Krueger dunks. Okay. Why? Dive into that. Love that story. It's um. So the story behind Freddy Krueger dunks is that Nike releases or Nike mocks up and makes prototypes of a dunk low with the Freddy Krueger sweater pattern as the fabric with blood splatters on it. And they don't call it the Freddy Krueger. It just is it? a shoe. It was just a shoe, right? It was just a shoe that looked like Freddy Krueger. I don't think they actually named it like a Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. That's like the street name but, for it. Exactly, exactly. It's like the bread. They don't actually call it the bread. <laughs> <laughs> but so they make this shoe and they have mock-ups. The people that own the Freddy Krueger character learn that they made that and send a cease and desist. Nike actually ends up burning the Freddy Krueger stock that they've produced 
and an employee or two went to the warehouse and took a few of them. I heard that story. Ra- ran away with them. And that is why the Freddy Krueger doesn't officially exist in Nike talk, like terminology. They don't exist, but they do. And that story of like someone thinking that that shoe is so cool and working for the company and it's like, you know what? These have to exist and is taking them is so cool. Yeah, saving of course, them before they all get burned. Exactly. And the Freddy Krueger now goes for like insane money, which is like ridiculous. Yeah, I heard they're bringing, aren't they bringing back the similar design aesthetic for a Halloween shoe? They might, but I don't think they'll ever do a Freddy Krueger. Really? I'm just going to do a quick Google search. Because I heard that they were going to do something for this. um, Maybe not. Maybe not. Air Max 95. An Air Max 95 Freddy Krueger. Just on um, uh, high snobbity right now. Mm-hmm. Snobbity. There was two other choices that were like playing on my mind. Number The first choice was uh, original M&M 4s. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I would get that. I'd be like, yeah. That'd be sick. That would be The number, the, the second one was, uh, would be actually Bapestas. Oh, Bapestas. Okay. But I would, wa- I would want Kanye Bapestas. <laughs> yeah. Do you... Uh, see, I like that because uh, it, that, that's a little uh, little older, you know? There's a lot of yeah. story behind that. So I like yeah, it's that. not just this is a Kanye shoe. This is like a shoe that people don't even know exists. Yeah, I really wonder how many people... I mean, I live in a bubble, but I wonder how many people know about Bapestas. Not a lot. Probably not. Not a lot? Do you find the barrier to entry for watches too high for people yes. let's say are are well how do we don't how do we lower that how do we make it more palatable the hardest thing with watches and getting and lowering that barrier of entry is that the major influences in modern media and what influences people our age to dress they all really 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 like rolex and ap and patek and rm yeah yeah so you so basically we, we would need some sort of figure to be wearing an Oris. You would need some figure to be wearing, I don't know, what's another brand that you can name? Hamilton. Longines. Longines. Oh, Longines. Oh, look. If oof, if you want to look at a value pack brand, Swiss made, um, Longines is really great. They have a great catalog of watches. They don't get enough respect with people our age group in the Gen Zs, but it's it's a brand that everyone should look at. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's because don't the, that's, you I don't you have the, one too? Don't you have a vintage? I do. Long I do. Jeans? I have a vintage long jeans. Yeah, I have a vintage long jeans. It's a it's a passed down um, sector dial with crosshair dial with small seconds white dial on a bracelet. It's steel. Very much things I wear. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> um, steel on bracelet. Wow, who would have thought? <laughs> but yeah, I have one of those. Long jeans would be a good entry, but that's that's my idea. That's the thing. I think that's why people our age are not into watches so much, just because barrier of entry. And I and I feel like so if you go on Hype Beast right now, you'll see that they do have sections where they talk about watches. And most of the comments I see on there, like they always ask about Rolex or like they'll say like, "Oh, this looks like a Rolex" or or whatnot. If you're right, if there's someone out there in an influential figure in pop culture that's wearing long jeans or wearing these other brands, 
maybe it'll be easier because I think for for the streetwear and the hype market is it's just about Rolex. So it's just about AP. Those are the coolest things ever. Um, but I think it also comes to, down to the it comes down to the generation too. Like you said, do you really need a watch nowadays? And you asked me that when we talked about the Apple Watch. Do you need a watch? I guess not. Right. But how does a brand like Oris or Longines get there? How do they create the appetite for millennials and Gen Zs to be wearing their timepieces? You have to make it something cool, which is the hardest part. Hmm. Cool. Define that. It, it's, the currency it's... of cool. Hmm. Right. Um, I remember reading an article somewhere about it's called the currency of cool, but that is the most valuable currency for any company trying to market a product to people. Because once your product becomes cool, it doesn't matter really if the product is good or not it just becomes cool yeah i mean i i can't imagine if if there's a watch brand out there um that let's say brought in sean mendez as 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 an ambassador i wouldn't buy it if they brought in like who i don't even listen to modern music is there like a modern rapper you can name right now like like the baby like if you brought in the baby to say like be your ambassador i don't think it would do well because it's just like no because i think the hardest thing with a watch company right the entire um perspective of a watch company to when you're viewing at it at the watch company as a consumer is that there's this pillar of immovable heritage you know yeah you're right like they represent like this pillar of heritage that hasn't moved and they stay super true to their roots. If you had a company like just Rolex, right? And they said, officially, we are now collaborating or like we are now endorsing Travis Scott as our ambassador. You'd be like, it'd be cool, but it'll definitely sell out. But you'd just be like, questionable decision. Like why? Yeah. Does that tie into your story? Exactly. I think what it is is that if the reason the ambassadors at these watch companies choose our ambassadors for a very, very, very good reason. Um, you know, James Cameron, the Explorer and the Deep Sea, you know, like that makes sense. Um, Tiger Woods, Rolex, best golfer in the world, Rolex. Makes sense, you know. But having a pulp culture icon as your ambassador, like especially one that's relatively recent and doesn't have like a very long career is not the move so would so if the move is not finding pop culture figures could the move be finding brands like what if there was a oh sorry no see i was thinking of that too and it becomes like a difficulty there's two effects that are are contrary here it'll be cool it'll be cool to put your your watch say like an Oris on an advertising campaign. It'll be cool. But in the advertising campaign, they want to generate clicks and views and see eyeballs on their media. What watch drink brings those effects? Not Oris. Uh, you're right. Okay, let, let me give you an example. I just thought about this. Okay. And I don't know if you know this watch. A brand like, because we talked about Arielson and uh, Acronym. 
So acronym is techware. Okay. What if there was a acronym X Seiko Jujaro Alien Watch? I think it would do well. But then, then it's like, if I were acronym and I had their marketing budget and like their access to the network of friends that they have, I would just find someone with like an Urwerk, something completely outrageous and like legitimately alien looking. Right? Because then you can be like, oh, this is like the craziest thing. And like it, it becomes like this whole mythological beast. Um, mythological seeming um, and that would generate more ideas and I'm clicks th- I'm thinking that okay because I know two brands um, well a, f- a few other ones as well but Kith has done something with G-Shock but I don't buy it I don't buy any of those I'm sorry I love Ronnie uh, we, we you know <laughs> but uh, I just don't buy that collaboration I think there's a better watch brand out there for him to collaborate with Supreme has done Timex, which I kind of understood. Like, okay, it's that like digital watch aesthetic, but it didn't. But it was that. That was it. And then they did the Supreme Jacob. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, that's just that's just the major flex. Did you also hear that there's rumored? I don't know if Rolex would ever do this, but they said there might be a Supreme Rolex collaboration. They had friends and family Supreme Rolexes, but that's only because they bought Rolexes and made their own dials. It's not okay. an actual collaboration. Okay, because I was going to be like, for a brand like that to ever, you know, collaborate with Supreme looks a little crazy. But I don't know. I, I just feel like watch marketing needs to be freshened up. And there has to be some sort of strategy strategy change. Um yeah i want to see like you said i want to see more people wear stuff on their wrist what's the next level up from apple watch how do we like as a you know if you were in the brand how do we get them interested in in our stuff now it's hard it's really hard um i couldn't even answer that question (laughs) hopefully we can hopefully we can and and I'm saying this because we're in such a weird time, I'll be honest. We've gone through the pandemic. We've gone through a shutdown. We're in phase three. I think we're still in stage three, right? In, in um, stage three may be going back to stage two. Probably not, but... Yeah, because in recent news, I think they limited the amount of people indoors and then like outdoors as well, you know. But we're in such a weird time that I feel like people just have to come together and they have to collaborate and, and see if they can work some magic out. Um, the interesting thing I want to do is uh, I want to get a, a boutique on here. I want to get a store on here. And I want them to talk about their experience through this pandemic. Um, in, this, in the store, I think I can, I can say this because they've confirmed they wanted to do it. We just have to find the time. Um, is Shop Lost and Found. They're a really you know, community-driven boutique here in Toronto. Um, they sell shoes and they sell a lot of garments as well. It's a great store, great people. I remember when I walked in, someone called me out on my corduroy pack Air Max 97s. And it was, it was just cool. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, someone being snobby about it. It was like genuinely like, yo, those are so dope. Like, where'd you get them? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, I think that would be a really cool. And we were talking about it before, so that would be super exciting. Yeah, that would be pretty exciting. We got to get that in the works for sure. Darius, do you have uh, any any uh, anything else that you want to cover for this episode? 
for this episode no i think we're good we're gonna wait until next episode i have another topic i want to talk about but that's for next episode all right we'll do it for the next episode thanks so much for listening everyone thank you guys all right thanks Darius. take care man bye bye